people could obviously use it for in-app purchases and games. They could use it to buy products. And all of a sudden, you've got one of the biggest currencies in the world, which fits in with Peter Thiel's vision of creating a new global currency who's still on the board there. Mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg's sort of yearly goal to understand cryptography. And it's a good PR story. And all of a sudden, talk about connecting people. They've created the biggest currency in the world. Warning. This podcast may include hard-hitting truths, shocking revelations, and outrageous social secrets. You won't see your life in the same light after this, but if you're ready to face the reality of an always online world, keep listening. This week on Social Minds, we sat down with George McGill, who is the head of innovation and resident whiz kid at MediaChain, our partners. Now, what we wanted to find out from George was all the little platform hacks, changes and alterations that him and his team have been navigating uh, this year and also looking towards next year as well. Yeah, a lot of episodes in this podcast series have so far covered the cultural and societal changes that have gone on in social media and been a result of social media. But this was definitely an episode focusing more on those platform changes and hacks that you don't always hear about in mainstream media, but often in little developer forums and things that people like George have just found just for experimentation. So there's lots of interesting insight in that that I think you're going to find really, really useful in your day-to-day lives. Everything from cross-platform posting between Facebook and IGTV to clever ways where you can limit your own social media usage. So there's something for everything in this episode. Now, Eve, I'm going to pass the next bit over to you. Well, as always, we would ask that if you're listening on anywhere where it's possible to leave a review, we'd love for you to do so uh, because we love hearing what you think about the podcast so far and also it does really, really help us. But as for this episode, I really think you're going to enjoy this one. What new platform hacks and changes are you most excited about right now? Cool. So I've got my laptop here. We've got a list to go through today. Hopefully it should be uh, pretty exciting to say the least. So I guess the sort of first one, like on the top of like everyone's like conversation point at the minute is like Facebook and like where it's going. Mm. It's a, like, if you look at this time last year, I'd say Facebook was at its peak, like yeah. particularly for like sort of page growth. Um, and then you had the whole like Cambridge Analytica scandal. Every single day there seems to be a new like data outbreach. You had obviously Zuckerberg congress um, and all the memes that came with that mm. so um what i think's going to happen and you not even what i think is going to happen like what you can just sort of see from what zuckerberg's talking about like the recent f8 is that you're going to see a massive shift from pages towards groups um and you can almost get into sort of the narrative and the story behind that so if you looked at um in F, uh, the recent earnings report so basically what he said he wants to do is get over a billion people in groups by 2020 that's their like big goal wow. just like you said he wanted to get a million a billion people in vr yeah yeah, yeah. So <laughs> maybe, who knows that maybe we'll change that yeah isn't that like half of their user base yeah we've got about it's about wow. two billion isn't it yeah so th- i think the basically if you look at the narrative behind that so obviously you started facebook at, uh, Harvard University and if you see the film or if you just do a bit of research on it basically it was to rate people whether they were sort of mm. attractive or not um, and it sort of snowboarded into this humongous business where he's worth billions and he's what 30 34 35 however old he is now and I think he's got to the you'd imagine without like getting too psychoanalytical on it like he's doesn't care about money anymore he just mm. cares purely mm. about his reputation mm. and when your name has been slinged through the mud like it has of late um groups is a much more like a uh, the what he wanted facebook to be like about mm. communities whereas, yeah as opposed to like tag your mate in this you know yeah. what i mean like yeah groups is what it's supposed to be which is quite bad news for pages for the most part and it's why their reach has massively declined so like page reach now it's like 
somewhere between 0.1 to 2%, depending on how well you run your page. Whereas groups can go 10 times that, 100 oh, times really? that. So super engaged, obviously they get notifications. And you're gonna see a massive shift. You're already seeing it. So you can look at like stuff like uh, conversation starters, they give little badges for that now. Um, there's like paywalls behind certain groups. So mm. let's say for example, mm. Theo, you're like a personal trainer. Mm. You could have almost a freemium group that people join and then they can pay 20 pounds a month directly through Facebook to go into this premium part of it. So that's for me the the big thing that's sort do you of think happening people, with Facebook. People would be willing to do that, willing to pay. Yes. Not for necessarily pages, not for media brands. Some who have like a, a really established voice, maybe like Vice, like they could almost mm. become yeah like a, a Netflix model, but I don't know whether they do that through Facebook, they'd go, they'd go elsewhere. But I think personal brands for sure, like people who, um, let's say for example, you look at someone like Joe Rogan, like I would pay eight pound a month to be part of like a premium group. Really? And particularly for networking, if you can meet like-minded people, yeah. Because we're, we're used to seeing this already on Twitch and, and platforms like that, aren't we? Where you pay for your favorite creators and stuff. For groups is a funny, it's an interesting one. Can you, can you explain groups in a bit more detail for people who are only really just hearing about it? Because obviously you've had on Facebook, we've had like, you know, event pages and whatnot, but now, you know, we're, and groups are, are seem have been around for a long time but now we're hearing a lot about them this this the dynamic of groups has almost evolved now are we talking more that they're sort of like these whatsapp kind of chat groups and stuff is it more i think it's more basically a group that's around like a sort of certain theme so let's say for example um like Manchester vegans, people who are vegans mm. in Manchester who can meet up and connect. Passion so, points. Yeah, so it all goes back to the whole like time well spent movement that sort of has become big. And like, there was a guy who's like the CEO of Jumpwire Media and he basically says that he believes Mark Zuckerberg has like a Nobel complex. Do you know what a Nobel complex is? Explain. So basically, right. um, giant ego. Alfred, well, kind of no, yeah, <laughs> that. But um, so the Alfred Nobel, obviously, yeah. he created dynamite. Uh, killed a lot of people as a result. Well, he didn't personally, but obviously what he created did. And his brother Ludwig died, but the press thought it was him. So they wrote his obituary and he like looked at it and was like, oh, I'm the guy who created Dynamite. That's what my legacy is going to be. Um, so he then decided to create the Nobel Peace Prize as a result of that. So I think that he basically says that Mark Zuckerberg, with what they've sort of done with the whole like fake news media, mm the Russian election hacking scandal, which is another story in itself. Um, groups are gonna give people the ability to connect with like-minded people, which is what Facebook's whole goal has been, like mm. to connect people at their core. So whether that's like Manchester vegans or sort of uh, housemates in a certain area or people interested in a certain subject. And groups are much more like democratized. It's about people talking to similar people as opposed to a page yeah. pushing out content that's just engagement bait. And this all comes back to that line of uh, you, you came here for fate, to Facebook, not for fake mm. news and for spam. You came here to meet other like-minded people and mm. their friends and their friends' friends and so on, isn't it? It's, it's going mm. back to this thinking. So how does, um, you know, you, know you, you work over like massive pages like student problems as part of a media chain. How do uh, pages respond to this kind of uh, what's going on at the moment and with this trend that we're seeing in groups? I think well, the obvious thing is to create is to create your own group, but there's an issue with that because like people, the thing about groups is that they want it to be almost this like democracy. They don't want it necessarily to be about a page. Mm. They want it to be a community. Mm. So mm. I think it's key to 
democratize it. So like, for example, what we do with groups is like a lot of people who are part of them is to make them admins yeah. um, and to make them moderators and have that sort of sense of community there. But I think if you're not moving towards that direction, you're going to lose out yeah. just because of the, the way the algorithm is going to work is just only going to keep benefiting that is what it appears like and that's their goal they don't really care about pages no. anything facebook might have a bit of a dislike for a lot of big media pages to be honest with you so i think groups look like it's going to be the way forward are you not worried that it will like groups will get to the same point that the newsfeed has so if they if it's becoming a really successful product for them they're going to want to commercialize that at some point mm. which means it might just get saturated the same way the feed is at some point yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, to be honest. Um, I just think that the good thing about groups is that it's not about hacking the algorithm as much. It's, mm. a, it's about passion points. Yeah. And that's what Facebook say their mission is about, whether that's their actual mission or it's what looks best from a PR perspective. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> so you're saying it's, it's a lot more organic, yeah. I suppose. In so that much space. more organic as opposed to a news story that's not true mm. Mm. that will get the clicks. You know, and you, you see it a lot like, it's just, you'll see an article over here that's done well and it'll just be copy and paste. It's not even about checking the facts mm. behind it. And that's this whole sort of fake news outrage that we're having right now. Yeah. Because that was, a, it, it's, it's funny hearing you talk about that because that was almost a hack in itself. We think of uh, clickbait, you could call clickbait a hack and clickbait was a way of hacking the algorithm. Mm. It's getting as many people to click on an article in a short space of time to increase the virality. And so I'm interested to know, what 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 the... What would you say Facebook and Instagram's attitudes are towards these hacks? Because they have hackathons and they have hacking groups. Do, do they do they like them? Do they sort of leave these kind of hacks there to be discovered by people who, who use it? Or would you say there's always been a, a sort of a us and them mentality by where, you know, Facebook, this is not how you use the platform in a sense? It's a weird one. I think each hack differs. And um, like I went to VidCon in Amsterdam. I remember you'd go to the talks host, they'd have a variety of talks. You have some by people, like official people at Facebook, official people at Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then you've got sort of the CMOs, the CMOs, innovation officers. And the Facebook and Instagram ones, like, bless them. They're just pointless because they're only going to tell you like the official talk. They're not going to give you like these hacks, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I'd always avoid talks like that, to be honest. <laughs> um, but I think they're attitude i think it will vary depending on the hack so we'll go through a few right now so uh easy one would be on instagram in particular is and you'll see it all the time and it just comes down to sort of basic psychological biases so like the curiosity effect so big meme accounts particularly really like taggable content mm. what they'll do is put their instagram on private so let's say me and Eve, I follow the account. I've seen a meme that relates to Eve. I'll tag her in it. She'll go to check it or I'll send it her via direct message. She'll go to check it and it'll just say this content is in private. You mm. have to follow to see it. And as a result, usually if it was on public, Eve would see it, maybe like the comment or respond back to me. Whereas now there's going to be a way higher sort of ROI on following off the back of that. So that's a little hack. Will they respond to that by, because for me, it makes no sense. If your account's on 7 million, should it be on private? Mm. Or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's purely a hack. So like a, a hack that you um, sort of Facebook had back in the day, this is so good for getting followers. So let's say I used to run sort of paid ad competitions where I'd be like, like this post to enter X, Y, Z. And you'd click on it, you'd see the list of likes and you can invite them to like your page. And particularly like older parent demographics and certainly 
earlier on in Facebook, people would just accept your invitation. So yeah. you, for those people who've liked that post to win a competition, maybe like somewhere between 20 to 50% would follow through to like your page. But a way they've capped people doing that now is you, once your page gets over 100K, you can't do that no more. Huh. So I reckon with the private hack, the, surely it'll get to a stage where how can you be on 7 million yeah. on your account yeah, be on yeah, private? Yeah, like you're just it. playing a game there. Yeah, sometimes they get annoyed by them, but sometimes like you see it with Twitter, they seem to watch how people game their platform and how people hack certain features. Mm, and then they'll mm. use that to sort of determine what their users want and turn it into a feature like they did with bookmarks. They saw that people were just liking the tweets and um, brought out bookmarks so that they didn't have to save them for later that way. Yeah, like we saw, there was one quite recently where- Or threads. Yeah, there's one quite recently where Facebook shifted from photos to videos, but obviously sort of still memes do quite well. Yeah. So what one what one account did, I won't name them, is that they'll just upload the photo, but in video format. Oh yeah. And it'll loop for 15 I seconds. I see that all the time. And it'll it's perform kind of so annoying. much better. Yeah. And it looks so <laughs> ugly. Like I met Facebook must hate it, yeah. but it's just like the algorithm they've built. Yeah. Ultimately, like say this all the time, like great content matters. But you're just surfing algorithms at the end of the day and yeah. like your surfboard is sort of your knowledge of these algorithms but they can do whatever they want with them yeah so, yeah. so what, what other hacks off the top of your mind then can you think of because you've, you've thought some interesting ones there that people you know people marketers are going to be thinking like oh this is it almost sounds so simple <laughs> Tell me more. so uh well there's like so innovative the way there's the nice ones and then there's the darker ones like um there's a huge one at the minute we don't primarily use this but like Bots in the sense of like, so like local businesses, for example, will set a bot on Instagram to follow 700 people within mm -hmm. that area. So let's say you're a physio in Manchester mm -hmm. and you target everyone who's used hashtag Manchester and interested in health. It will just follow them. And obviously they get a notification through and they'll go, oh, Manchester physios followed me. That's weird. Open it up and maybe 20% will respond back to them. So that's one that's a bit of a I'd say a more questionable one mm. um, that people are, people, people, people are doing it like yeah. on a, a big scale. Like that's Instagram's biggest problem. Just bots, mm. bots, mm. bots everywhere. Um, one of my favorite ones, it isn't really like on the topic of like how to hack social media, but more like how to hack your own personal usage of social media. Like particularly if you work within social media, like I have this problem where I'll have to go and check a Facebook page to do with work. And I wake up 20 minutes later and I'm just like in a hole. I go, and I honestly forget what I came there for. Mm. You know, like sometimes when you walk around the house, like you'll go upstairs to like shut a window. I had this this morning, went upstairs to shut a window and I left the house and I had like, I brushed my teeth and I had like two protein bars in my pocket. I go, why did I go in the house again? And I went upstairs to shut the window. And that's what social media is. Cause it's just built to distract you. Yeah. And I think like you have the whole time well spent movement and mm people talk about the mental health aspect of social media. And I think the biggest issue is how addictive it is. Mm. And one way to sort of reclaim control of that, well, there's two ways. Um, the first one, and nobody talks about this one, it's so simple, but just to log out of the accounts once you've done with them. Like, so as soon as I've sort of been on Instagram for 20 minutes, I'm like, feel a bit dirty. You know what I mean? Like, cause I've just been scrolling for <laughs> yeah. ages. I'll, what I'll do is I'll go in the settings and I'll press log out. And Instagram is so clever. Every time they offer two options, it's. Um, <laughs> it goes, do you want us to remember your password? And I say, not now. Every time I have to click not now. And I, cause I'm in the loop of pressing not now, not now, not now. I always do it. Which means that next time when I'm sort of 3 p.m. and I'm bored and I'm scrolling through Instagram, I'll be there and I'll, sorry, when it's 3 p.m. I'm bored and I'll go to scroll on Instagram, I'll have to put my login details and password in. And the actual conscious act of having to log into these apps prevents me. And I go, you know what? Do I actually need to go on Instagram right now? Yeah, it gives mm. you a moment of pause. Yeah. 
It's Whereas, a growth hack on yourself almost. It, yeah. it's, a, it's a sort of a hack on yourself, like you're tricking yourself into... And it's, it is, it's fascinating you say that. It's all these little things that we take for granted in everyday life, which are the simplest things. Would you, would you say, do you want us to remember your password? Well, yes, I'm going to log, log in again in 10, 20 minutes. I never log time, out because so. I'm scared I won't remember my password. <laughs> That's it. It's almost like we've been trained to... I'd say, like, it's huge. Like, I have a friend I was met with this weekend, and he goes on, like, seven-day meditation retreats. So basically the whole point of that is you sit in silence, don't talk to anyone for seven days, eat basically bread and soup, that's it. So you, he's purely like focused on building his prefrontal cortex and he goes to me the weekend, Instagram man, I just can't. Like every time I'm on my phone, I just end up on it. And I think the key is if you log out, it means that I still go on it, but maybe like obviously a bit more with work, but outside of work, maybe I'll go on it twice, but it's much more like meaningful i've gone on it for a purpose i'm aware mm. that i'm going on it mm -hmm. whereas it's when you end up on it and 30 minutes later you wake up and you're like Just what's happened mm. yeah so that's a cool one but apple recently the second one is that they've because everyone was basically saying when are these platforms going to do anything about it yeah. but why, why mm -hmm. would you know why would you when are mcdonald's gonna start selling kale why you know what i mean like <laughs> why, a lot of empty gestures hasn't yeah, it? yeah so like why why would you do that like because you've got a race to the bottom it's game theory 101 so yeah. let's say um I'm Instagram, your Snapchat, and Theo's Facebook. If I take notifications off mine, you take notifications off yours. Facebook, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, they're going to get way more users. Like, yeah. it's a race to the bottom. Attention is a zero-sum game. There's a limited amount of it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it had to come from Apple. It had to come from the actual hardware um, managers. So what they've done now is put on, I don't know if you've seen it, so the app limit feature. Mm -hmm. So you can set certain apps or, um, so let's say, for example, Instagram, where once you've gone over 30 minutes, it will almost like automatically log you out and you have to put your password in and it will send you a reminder going you've gone over your time for the day, you sure you want to go on it? And that as a buffer, to be honest with you, I still press the, like, the password and go through it. <laughs> but I'd say, so seven times out of 10, I still do the password and go through it. But those three times out of 10, I go, you know what? I don't need it right now. And I put it away. Yeah. So, but that, and that's three times out of 10 more than I would it's previously. It's every little help. So, yeah, you go, yeah. That's got, I haven't actually got the new um, update yet, but yeah. I don't know if I'll uh, opt in for it or not. Yeah, I'm sort of like, Instagram, yeah, I, I, do, I love it too much. It is, it is interesting that, that we, we, we used to think of hacks primarily in this uh, growth hacking context. It was all about, and we still do to an extent, but now it seems a lot of these hacks are sort of uh, personal to the, the user and, it, and it's new ways that people are training themselves to spend less time on social media. It's fascinating how this works. We mentioned Instagram. Um, now, I'm very keen to get your thoughts on IGTV because I know you've got a lot of strong opinions on this. So this mm -hmm. was this obviously launched this year and made a huge amount of conversation when it came out, it's fair to say. Um, but through, I suppose, a process of hacking, you found that you're 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 it's safe to say you're not very convinced by it, isn't it <laughs> um yeah and i never was um i i wish because basically we're in a whatsapp group at work and when it sort of came out everyone was like getting handles and everyone was super excited about mm. it and um i was so tempted to write like contrarian opinion but i don't the way they're doing it right now it won't work in hindsight it would have been easy because now i'd be proven right and everyone yeah. can say that <laughs> i mean i made a lot of predictions that are been proven to be false, but um, I think we'll go into a hack side of it and what I think they should do with it. But the fundamental reason why it hasn't worked is because you're trying to change user behavior. 
Mm. That, that never really works. No. Like Instagram and Facebook have spent the last 10 years destroying attention spans, literally just scooping out your prefrontal cortex and throwing it on the floor. <laughs> um, so all of a sudden they want you, because you go to Instagram, whether you're sort of bored on the train, like I get public transport to work in the morning and I'm fascinated by people on their phones. It's just like that. They don't mm. stop for anything. Mm -hmm. um, so all of a sudden you're going to expect people when they go to visit the app to click onto IGTV and sit there for an hour and watch something. Not that people don't want to do that. People do want to do that, but they go, they have that user sort of experience with YouTube right now. And they go to YouTube for that purpose. There's a reason why I don't think YouTube will ever like let memes on their platform or let a real, like a sort of a newsfeed element come mm -hmm. into it because it will destroy, it just wouldn't work. So like a good example of this, like I've been listening to Joe Rogan for like four to five years, okay? And I can sit through a three hour podcast of Joe Rogan by myself yeah. and love it. But I follow like Joe Rogan fan accounts on Instagram and people will put up like one minute clips of him talking from his podcast. And I'll, I'll be there for three seconds. I go, yeah, no. But bear in mind, it's in my behavior to watch three hours. But because I'm on Instagram, I'm not You're there not used for that. To it there. So then it goes into the question of like, what are they going to do about it? Are they going to just drop this flagship product? But they've done something really similar with like Facebook Watch. Mm. So they've created this platform that um, was for long form content that's going to be like, gives you like three to four times the reach in the algorithm, like, which is insane. Mm. Um, but it's just the same old Facebook videos. It's just slightly longer. Yeah. Um, so they've really struggled with Facebook Watch and IGTV. There's two things which, well, one which they've done now, which will help is that you can cross post, like you can cross post from IGTV onto your Facebook page. So if you've got a massive Facebook fan base, particularly if you've got Facebook Watch. Mm. Um, I know like Steve, obviously CEO of Social Chain yeah. does. He could repost his IGTV video onto his Facebook Watch page mm. with a massive reach. Mm. So that could help a little bit. I think the only way you can fight, bear in mind, like, look at habits. Like, have you ever tried to change a habit before? Yes. How did it go? Not very well. Yeah, like, so, it, like, <laughs> the, the amount of mates, you'll do it, like, so creatures of habit. So October yeah. right now, and I bet, like, most people, most people aren't going well, like, no. because we're these creatures of homeostasis and we sort of, very hard to change people. Mm. Um, so the only way I think you could do it, and they're looking at doing this, is to take almost, like, a stronger passion point and put that on there. So let's say, for example, they're doing it with Facebook Watch, they're giving Kim Kardashian her own show. Mm. So whereas right now people don't go on Facebook Watch to watch long form content, mm -hmm. they'll go anywhere for Kim Kardashian. Yeah. So I know they did it. The only successful Facebook Watch show I've seen is the, oh, his name escapes me now, the sort of flagship NFL quarterback. Um, you know, the guy who always wins the Super Bowls. Yes, oh, I know what you're talking about. Gonna, 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 yeah, it's gonna come yeah. later on. But he had a show yeah. where like, yeah. he did loads of little documentary series on him. And that was the only one that people came back for consistently. Mm. So if IGTV, Facebook, um, Watch really wanna win, A, I think you have to have a separate app, particularly for Facebook Watch. Mm. But B, they're gonna have to pump a lot of money in it. Let's say mm. they buy the UFC rights or they buy the Premier League rights. Mm. That's where I think it could win. Whereas right now, I just think like the average everyday Joe. I wonder if that's sustainable for them though, because maybe um, with IGTV, they were trying to bring creators over to be the first ones to use it because they thought for that reason, you know, audiences would follow. And I do wonder like for Facebook Watch, they've gone even bigger with Kim K, but can they can they do that? How long can they do that for? That's so expensive. Mm. It's interestingly though, because I've heard you speak about IGTV before in that way and I almost... Parts of it I disagree with. I, 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 I think that, um, I mean, 
maybe I'm proving myself wrong here because I don't use IGTV so much anymore. <laughs> I've, I've watched a few things on there and I've read a few uh, articles about that there was going to be a move to more episodic content. Uh, like you said, like documentaries that have been split up and stuff, but there's not really any, there's not that discoverability. There's not that user face at the moment, isn't there? But it seems that what you're talking about in a way is this... Uh, diversification and you go to Instagram for one thing, you go to Facebook for another, you go to YouTube for another. But then that just makes me think of stuff like um, Snapchat stories, which was cloned so effectively by Instagram. Mm. So if Instagram can clone Snapchat, why can't it clone YouTube or Netflix or, you know, because it's to do with communication, not consumption. Mm. I think people are going to communicate on all the platforms. That's what they're all for. But mm. they're not all for um, episodes. Or they're not like all for short viral videos. But it's just, it's just behavior that like, when, when do you check Instagram? Usually. Uh, <laughs> if I'm He's being a bad honest. case study. Do no, okay. that in okay. Instagram, Instagram, I am, I am bad. Still on Bebo for you. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> that MySpace, I flipped between the two. I'm still waiting for that cross posting hack. Yeah, yeah. Um, first, to be honest, with Instagram, first thing in the morning. Um, not so you much in the like day. First and night. That's He's a watcher, though. Put Instagram first thing in the morning. Oh, mainly. He's not a I have the emails. I know, I know, which is why I. I you know, sort of understand okay. what you're saying now with okay. these. So let's uh, say, like, just use me, for example. Uh, oh, Eve, sorry. Okay, so what's some, some primary times you reckon you check Instagram? Me? Yeah. Uh, morning, early evening, like tea time, before bed, when I'm outside having a cig. And then every hour. <laughs> so, so like, All the time. So it's different case studies there, but let's use the example of when you're outside having a cig. You don't have time to go on ITTV there, do you? No. No, you're literally just scrolling through because you're bored. And, and now I'm only, to... I'm only giving myself like a 10 minute break and I want to see as much as I can in that mm. short space of time. You want that dopamine hit? Yeah. So like, but let's say for example, like who's like your sort of cult figure, like the person that you love who's on like your Mount Rushmore, that, who's like long form content you go to regularly? Oh, um, do you know what? I have actually strayed away from it a bit recently, but I used to love Tanya Burr's videos. Okay, I have no clue who that is. Oh my God, really? <laughs> Apologies. Um, so let's say Tanya, uh, <laughs> but let's say for example, she, she launched her own IGTV. Sorry, Tanya, she, if you're listening. She launched her own IGTV show, maybe she has, but because you have such a passion for that, you're going to consume it wherever it is. Mm. So, and obviously I don't know how big she is, but like the Kim Kardashians of the world, the Cristiano Ronaldo's of the world, those big, big pillars, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's what I think is going to bring people to yeah. it if they really want to change user behavior. Yeah. Because it's powerful to do. Maybe if Beyonce did an IGTV show, I'd watch it. It's not so uh, interesting you say that it's, it's not the same as YouTube in that respect where you would watch, well, we, we could happily watch each other on YouTube doing like a vlog or a video or whatnot. Mm. It would have to be, you're saying for, for, for IGTV and those other uh, platforms to take off, it would have to be attracting the big AAA talent. Yeah, in a way. I'm so bullish on YouTube just because they have, they have the library there. Like the power of that library like i can go like how to clean a mac keyboard and it's there there's mm. 10 videos already there mm. so mm. that for me that's they have the search function as well igtv doesn't have that um yeah that strong of a search presence at the moment and like we'll go into like youtube hacks if you want like one one thing on that point this is i'm just so bullish on youtube all around but it's the hardest one to crack mm. like and there's an amazing video by i get into like sort of nerdy sort of computer science guys and algorithms there's a guy called jarvis johnson and he recently grew his youtube account like 100k subscribers in a weekend and like growing on youtube is hard wow. mm, so yeah, and yeah. basically he sort of explains it he's looked at the youtube algorithm and the white paper 
did a video about how Logan Paul and Jake Paul took advantage of that. Um, it's like the only weird world where you get a crossover of like computer science and Logan Paul. Like you never see that. <laughs> I, lo I love that. But um, basically what he did, he, I butcher his thing, but definitely check out the YouTube video. Um, what he did was he made a, a video like criticizing like a five minute crafts video, which is like one of the big YouTube channels. And he titled it with like, um, this is the worst content I've ever seen. And he got like 10K views, okay? Another YouTuber, a popular YouTuber who I don't know, made a, a similar video criticizing Five Minute Crafts a day after he did it, mm. um, which got a couple million views. So Jarvis took down his YouTube video, re-uploaded the exact same content, but with a similar title to the popular YouTubers. And it was along the lines of Five Minute Crafts is the worst channel on YouTube. That video got like 1.6 million views in like 24 hours or something crazy. And it was the exact same content. It was just the title. Mm. So it's just SEO. YouTube's like great content matters, but you've got a case study there. A, B split test, exact same content, naming it a similar, to a better search engine optimized title that goes off a popular YouTuber. Mm. Goes Is that a consequence charts. of YouTube being Google owned? That it takes more that sort of yeah. SEO and it's because like right. it's different to IGTV, it's it's more search based. Like because it works I, on that library sort of search. Yeah. I tweeted the other day first. like that you can YouTube's so powerful now in terms of like understanding our user behavior. They don't actually care about subscribers anymore. They pick what your actual behavior is. So a lot of people will not subscribe to a content, but they'll watch it if that makes mm, sense. Yeah. So you get served that way more. And I, I was look whenever you, it's cool <laughs> exercise, go on somebody's YouTube home feed when they've logged in and you scroll through the videos that are recommended to them. And I think you can gauge about 80% of someone's personality from doing that. Oh God, mine would be horrendous. <laughs> All I watch on YouTube is like Graham Norton clips. Like, <laughs> Do you know what's the same Loose women clips. Honest, but yeah, but like I was on my friends the other day and it was like, I was like, I've known this guy for two years. And I reckon I only got to know him that well from his YouTube home feed about six months ago. Like, it's that powerful because they know exactly what you watch and they have millions of other people who are similar to you and figure out what they mm. like and what mm. you're gonna like. So there's a YouTube um, algorithm white paper that's definitely worth checking out as well as Jarvis Johnson's YouTube channel. It's really cool. George, you said something interesting there as well. You said uh, that YouTube to an extent don't care about subscribers anymore. No, I mean in the sense that, um, so let's say I'm on YouTube. Yeah. Um, let's say I've subscribed to, let's pick two examples. Let's say I've subscribed to True, True Geordie. I've not subscribed to Joe Rogan, mm -hmm. but I'm constantly watching his clips. Mm -hmm. They will show me way more Joe Rogan content than they will True get Geordie. You to subscribe. Get you to not, not necessarily get you to subscribe just because you're gonna spend longer on the platform but basically it, they care more about what you actually do than what you say you like mm. that makes sense mm. and this has been a sort of theme for i suppose algorithms going through the whole of social media isn't it it's, mm -hmm. it's you you paint yourself to be this person you say this this and this but the actions on you take on social media say otherwise mm. yeah. that's why the algorithm dictates that why 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 would you say in a few words then? Why is why is it so hard to grow on YouTube? Because we we hear this, and YouTube is one of the things that we explored in more depth with Social Minds um, since launching the podcast. Why is it so hard to to um, grow there? It's a zero sum game, so it's there's a limited amount of time in the day. So YouTube's about depth rather than width, whereas Instagram and Facebook are more about width. So what I mean by that is YouTube. I may watch like three or four people religiously. And then I'll occasionally, if it comes up my explore feed, click on something else. Mm. Whereas on Instagram, Facebook, there's hundreds. And, but the actual like 
depth that people go in with YouTube is, is so much greater than some random guy on Instagram that you mm -hmm. might follow. Yeah. Um, so it's a zero sum game because they are after a way bigger amount of time. So there's only a few winners. And if you look at the realistic, the only way to grow on YouTube appears to be titling the video correctly, getting big YouTubers in the video. Like if you look at mm. True Geordie, who's like mm. skyrocketed, um, his initial like big spike on the podcast was when he had like KSI, um, all those other big YouTubers yeah. on there because then KSI's fans will watch a lot of his content and they'll watch a lot of it, maybe an hour and a half through. So YouTube suddenly goes, oh, they must like this content. Let's serve them True Geordie more often. Yeah. Um, so that's part of it. Um, what was the other one now? Head's gone. But yeah, so the two ones, name the videos correctly as well as get popular guests. And then obviously great content helps. There's so much content you out there now. Eyeballs first. Going back to that Jarvis problem. Johnson case study, you A-B test the exact same content that it's the search engine that, that Yeah. Won. It's getting people there, as, I guess, as well as getting people to stay once they're there. Yeah. It's getting them there. Yeah. That's the hard and part. It's, it's all the time. Yeah, 100%. Um, now, Eva, I you'll agree with me on this one as well. We are, you know, working in social media. We are used to Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Reddit to an extent, and WhatsApp. Now, in 2018, we've seen the rise of TikTok and a new platform, which you've informed me about, <laughs> Doyen. Yeah. So tell us about that. You need to get off Bebo and get on Doyen. Yeah. <laughs> so um, basically, go back to the beginning. So you had a platform called Musical.ly, which was, it's kind of like a combination of Vine and Spotify. Mm -hmm. So people make these short clips, primarily people under the age of 16 or under the age of 18, make these short clips, sort of singing along to videos and sort of big sensations happened. And then I think Instagram began to take a bit of Musical.ly's audience and then Musical.ly was acquired by, I think it's Tencent. I think is the name of the company, I'm getting confused. Um, but they got acquired and it's now called TikTok. Mm. And there's an app called Doyin. So they're basically the exact same thing, but Doyin's facing the Chinese audience and TikTok's facing the sort of Western South American kind of audience. Mm. Between them, they're the most downloaded app on the app store, apart from like games aside, in terms of social networks in 2018. So it was a massive user behavior. One thing that you can see IGTV has tried to copy with it is they do that whole full screen thing. Like whereas unusual news feeds, you can sort of scroll away and you can go off it. Whereas on Doyin, TikTok, IGTV, it's that full screen thing. Mm. It makes it harder to escape. Yeah. It all comes down to like, what's the way of making it harder and harder for people to escape? Um, <laughs> it's ultimately what it comes down to. Like we were chatting the other day, like to go slightly off topic, um, where the newsfeed came from. All oh, right, it's allegedly came from, it was on a Channel 4 documentary, one of the guys who designed the newsfeed, which is, if you have sort of two different uh, control groups, one where you give them a bowl of soup, like a big bowl of soup, they'll eat a certain amount. If you have another bowl of soup that just refills, people will just keep on eating and keep on eating. And that's basically what TikTok doyen is. It, it just never ends. And as a result, like time warps. It's, like, it's yeah. like a mini little Vegas. Time doesn't exist in these things. Like you just end <laughs> up in this hole, um, which is why you've got to log out after you've done it. So, um, so going back to TikTok and Doyin, primarily sort of musical-based videos. Um, Doyin like is huge in China right now, like huge. The issue with being from the UK, if you're trying to get on Doyin, you need a Chinese 
uh, you need to get on the Chinese app store, which requires a Chinese phone number and a Chinese bank account. Found a way of getting around that the other day. Wow. So DM me, DM me if you want that one. But um, so it's quite it's simple. Monster little hacks, isn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> the thing is about, the no... China. God, they're going to be listening, aren't they? Please don't come across. Just the lights go off in the studio now. Um, you, anything you can, if you Google long enough, you can find out like the truth. But um, basically what it is, yeah, full screen sort of content. And it's crazy like how fast you can sort of grow on there. Like, and it's very odd content. Like, I'm going to be interested to see what happens with it. Like particularly like brands who want to reach a younger demographic, like they use what's super cool about it is that let's say for example, your Coca-Cola, you launch a hashtag through TikTok. It's like the hashtag Coca-Cola flip bottle challenge. And obviously then the people will be doing it themselves. Mm. So like it's a really powerful influencer marketing model um, as well as a new way of like reaching the Chinese audience. But but talk to us about TikTok, George. So are you saying, because I've, I've not had a, I've seen the adverts, my Instagram has been loaded so with many. adverts for yeah. so many. I've not had a play around with it yet. I've not actually downloaded it. So is it, so it started off as the, because um, it reminds me of the Talk Talk adverts that used to come on before X Factor. Anybody listening in the UK will, will know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> Um, but sort of singing along and kind of miming, you used to call it, miming along to a song. But you send there's other sorts of video content on there now on, on TikTok and other sort of it's things just, that have been made? So like, or? It's a combination of people, primarily young people, singing and doing sort of cool camera hacks, like mm -hmm. changing costumes or changing hair outfits. Like Vine. That so it's reminds a, it's me of That's Vine. what it is. It's Vine kind of meets Spotify. Oh, okay. It's basically what it is because mm -hmm. you can get music preloaded in there. So you'd pick like something from the UK top 40 that would play in the background whilst your videos are mm -hmm. going on. You've got like the comedy angle from Vine. Um, that's primarily it. So it's very sort of different to Facebook, for example. Whether that market will get swallowed up by Instagram, the Western side, maybe. Have, have they allowed video sharing on other platforms like Vine did with Twitter? A little bit, but it's like, you have to like download the app from what I can see. So it's like, That's I see what long. I see what you're doing there, yeah. But um, one thing about TikTok, and this is like official from somebody who works at TikTok, he was speaking at one of the social chain events the other day. And like people who work at apps never talk about their algorithm. Like it's it's kind of like asking an older person about it's their like age. Sauce, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you're not supposed to, like even when it's so obvious, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's so obvious yeah. what's going on. Like Google, yeah, is that true? Is Google that deny that like, know. yeah, yeah. Like Google would deny like backlinks help with SEO. And it's like, hold, you can clearly see this is what's going on here. Um, but he basically said, which is so unheard of from a social media platform, which is if you put vertical video on, you will perform better. Which is like unheard of. He also, um, like he wouldn't say whether the two apps would get merged. Like he said, A, it's above his pay grade and he doesn't know, but mm. I, you'd imagine if they merged that together, you potentially got one of the biggest apps in the With world. Instagram, yeah. are you saying? No, TikTok and Doyin we'll will merge together because they're basically the same together, platform. Right. So you've okay. got to assume that's what they're planning on doing. But sure. China's got all like different rules about social like compared garden, to us, don't yeah. they? Sorry, that would be a yeah, massive task. Yeah. Massive. When I upload to TikTok, it takes, it's uploaded like that. Whereas when I upload to Doyin, it takes like five minutes. So I don't know whether that's my, I don't know whether that's the fact I've gotten to the Chinese app store when I shouldn't <laughs> or whatever it is, but. Yeah, that's part of You're it. You're telling us you shop at Alibaba next. From is. To China. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's an interesting one. That'll either be the next big thing, or like everyone will look back in twelve months and sort of look back at it like um, an app you know, that's just faded away, like Vine is now. Yeah. So it'll well, be interesting no, to Vine, see. Vine lives you, you on. Vine lives on. Do you know what? I feel like after, you're the testing bed for this sort of maybe, thing. Maybe because I haven't. Um, I'm surprised they. I haven't been targeted with any ads. No. Well, I only get targeted with ads for shoes these days, which is really helpful. Um, 
but no, I will. I will give it a go because after your comparison to Vine, I love Vine. I miss it all the time. I still, I like how it lives on still on Facebook and Twitter because mm. people have like got the videos saved. Um, but I'm going to touch on something you said there, um, which is that they are uh, promoting vertical video. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned before there's sort of a Facebook Stories uh, hack going on where, as we see vertical video come more into the forefront over the news feed. Yeah, like the Stories one is interesting like part like i was reading there's a great blog um strategy strategy i can never strategy um stratechery sorry that's it so it's written by a guy awful name even even he says it himself it's an awful <laughs> name but it's, if you ever want to analyze like facebook instagram snapchat or even like bigger tech companies movements it's amazing and he basically looked at like facebook's recent dip in earnings and like what why that's happening and it's partially to do with the fact that people are shifting more towards stories. Mm. So if you look at the newsfeed from an advertiser's perspective in terms of like a paid spend analyst, it's the most amazing thing that's ever been invented because you get the whole sort of, you get a decent amount of the screen and people have to sort of stop and go, hold on, is this like an ad? And then they scroll past, um, as well as you can use sort of images, you can use website links, etc. Mm-hmm. Whereas a story, which is becoming more popular now, people will like just press like that. As soon as they see an ad, they'll press away. Mm. Um, And advertisers right now are finding it, I believe, and even Sheryl Sandberg said, we don't know what's going to happen here because it might be the case that stories become more popular, but it's harder for these platforms to monetize than the the traditional newsfeed was. Like at the F8 conference, he said that stories are like that and newsfeed growth is going like that. Mm. So it definitely Mm. seems to be moving that way. Mm. And what's interesting, like as part of the blog mentioning then, is that they look at sort of advertising spend and a lot of sort of Facebook um, and Instagram's newsfeed advertising spend comes from small businesses. But the issue with sort of stories is it's quite like decent video production. Mm. So let's say say like Joe Bloggs, who runs a bakery, like, it's going to be a bit harder for them to make story adverts, which is obviously why you have to listen to this podcast and find out more stuff like that. <laughs> but, um, but you can't just put like a, a basic image and target, you know what I mean? Like mm. you're going to have to make much more creative content for it to stand out in the story format. This is really interesting though. It's like right now you're going through a stage where everybody's super, super bearish on Snapchat and everyone's like, Snapchat's about to die. Mm. Um, but I kind I do definitely agree that it's going through a bad stage, but this could be really good news for Snapchat. So what I mean by that is that the reason why Instagram has grown to where it's grown right now is because it became part of the sort of Facebook portfolio, which meant when people were spending money on ads, um, they, let's say they put in a newsfeed ad out there, they just check the Instagram box as well, yeah. which meant that Instagram's ads went high up. Mm. Let's say Kevin mm. Systrom um, and the other founder never merged to Instagram. It would be nowhere near where it is right no. now. It's because they've got the ads manager and the power editor, et cetera. So what will be interesting is people move more and more towards stories. Snap's always had an issue getting advertisers on there. But if people are using the same ads on Facebook stories, they're using the same ads on Instagram stories, you can just go, oh, we put it on Snapchat as well. Because that's yeah. cross-posting again, won't so you? So yeah, this move to more stories could benefit Snapchat if yeah. it's still alive by them. Potentially. That and also um, what we were talking about on the last, uh, on, on the previous episode of this mm. podcast, which was the merging, you probably saw it as well, George, of Snapchat and Amazon um, and Snapchat sort of having access to Amazon's uh, product catalog mm. for these AR shopping filters. They've so sort of been all... the first to commercialize a, a AR back facing camera capabilities. 
but then we had a whole thing where it's like, is Facebook just going to like wait for them to do it and then and copy then them and do it better? better. Yeah. We don't know. Mark Zuckerberg's strategy is just command C, command V. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think of VR and AR? To go slightly off topic for a second. Um, I After hearing from Kat, I'm convinced that start, AR, yeah. because we had her in and then she made all these predictions and gave Facebook all this advice about how they need to um, work more on getting camera effects out there into the public eye, giving it a recognizable logo and a brand identity so that consumers would know to scan something when they see the logo and help it get mass adoption. Literally <laughs> three days after we had her in, they rebranded camera effects to Spark AR wow. and opened beta for Instagram camera effects. So it's definitely happening. Whereas VR, I think, had a lot less hype, uh, a lot more hype, sorry, and a lot less follow through. Um, mm. I'm not sure. She says it's because it's not convenient enough yet. And I, I think I agree. VR to me will be one of those, um, how can I say? I think of VR as like the mini disc. Remember the mini disc? You don't think of um, cassettes, mini disc, and CD. It's sort of, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be one of those technologies. It's going to be around. But, you know, aside from gaming and engineering and the health sector, yeah. I can't see any mainstream I think it'll stay niche in industry, but I, yeah, mass adoption, I'm not sure I see it happening. Because it just contradicts everything to Unless me, you could get you know. it down to a contact lens size. And I think we're a little ways away from that yet, but a giant mm. headset. Yeah. So like Kat said, you can't walk into breakfast wearing a giant headset. I'm hey, saying, guys. Like, it's yeah, just, I sense, no. you've, I sense you've got a differing opinion. I sense um, you. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I have... Um, I sense you've just ordered an Oculus. Uh, <laughs> I do actually. Have, I do actually have an Oculus Go, but like, I love it. Part of me <laughs> walked like, into breakfast yesterday. Oh. <laughs> there's um, there's a quote by Peter Thiel, which is like, do you know Peter Thiel is a guy who set up PayPal, uh, invested in Facebook, uh, like first invested in Facebook, invested 500k, returned a million, a billion. Sorry, very clever man. And he has a great quote, uh, which is like, "We were promised flying cars." And instead, we got 140 characters. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, that's the issue of a lot of these technologies. Like, it's similar to, like, so VR right now, they call it, like, the uncanny valley, which is that the technology's got good enough where people kind of look like people, but they don't, it almost messes with your brain. So people go on it and go, wow, that's amazing. But then we'll put down the headset and not use it for four weeks. Mm. So people that haven't got to that sort of stickiness yet, and it's similar with AI, similar with blockchain, in that I call it, like, the smartphone Segway dichotomy. So if you look at things that were hyped up that went to change the world, the smartphone would score a 10 on that. Mm. Like people can't leave the house having anxiety mm. about their smartphone mm. now. Whereas the Segway, I think even Steve Jobs invested in the Segway. <laughs> Nobody uses the Segway. Like it completely died. <laughs> but then like you so but then you look at like scooters now, like you seen like the big scooter techs in like San Francisco, that's mm. starting to become more popular. But how do you navigate that sort of um, smartphone segue dichotomy is an interesting question. And VR, AR, AI, all these buzzwords all kind of like fit on that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I guess like we can round, do you want to round off the episode with well, yes. conspiracy? Well, well, yes, exactly. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, like I say, we hear, are running out of time. I yeah. want to so hear what you had to say real, on a... Not at all, but right, we'll, we'll end it on a final crypto. point. Yeah, with, yeah. With, with crypto and the Facebook. Go Alex Jones. And that. Let's go, come on. So... Um, this is like, a, this is an out there. This is where I put my tinfoil hat on. <laughs> <laughs> this is an uh, out there conspiracy. Okay. Um, but it's one I've sort of done a little bit of research on. And I think it'd be very, very interesting if it happened. So basically, 
the sort of the combination of sort of Facebook and crypto. So if you go as far back as like 2000 and well, let's, go, let's look at Peter Thiel to begin with, like Peter Thiel sort of on my Mount Rushmore, like one of the most like contrarian visionaries that's ever existed. Uh, set up PayPal, became part of the PayPal mafia where sort of YouTube, Airbnb, Yelp, all these companies connected to them. Very clever man. And he's still on Facebook's board to this very day. And his goal with PayPal was to create a new global currency. Mm. Um, and obviously they didn't quite do that. They obviously had a lot of success, sold it to eBay, I believe. Um, and a lot of people believe that Satoshi Nakamoto, mm. who was creator of Bitcoin, who nobody knows, was like lot, some people link him to being maybe part of the PayPal mafia, who knows, probably not. But Facebook ever since 2007 have been registering uh, patents for digital currencies. You can see that like as of two, in 2007, they registered about two or three and every year since they've registered one or two, apart from recently where they've not been doing because sort of blockchain technology is sort of really like open source. Now the best developers open source all their stuff. So sort of conspiracy would be Facebook's in such like a dark place right now. And this isn't just me. There's quite a lot of people talking about this. Mm. Facebook's in a sort of a bad place in terms of PR and press, as well as they're trying to make more money. Um, and Mark Zuckerberg said in 2017 in his sort of address that his goal this year is to understand sort of cryptography better. Mark Zuckerberg, weirdly off topic, picks a sort of goal each year to focus on. Mm. So one year he learned Chinese, because I know his wife's chi uh, from China. And if you ever see him speak Chinese, he speaks Chinese, good. Um, the next year, like he built a robot for his house. So he does these little projects. So his whole project this year has been crypto. So you've got all that sort of bubbling up a little bit. You then look at the fact they banned adverts on, they banned crypto adverts on yes, Facebook. I think that's yeah. partly because of the ICOs. A lot of them are sort of cons and scams. Yeah, a lot of them are being scammed. Um, so then you you have that element to it, but you also have, I believe it's a guy called David Marcus, who was on Coinbase's board, which is the biggest sort of crypto sell, the mainstream one. Mm -hmm. And he was on Facebook's board and he stepped down due to conflict of interest. So maybe it, it might be the sense that they've got a lot of data protection issues, so they might use some form of blockchain solution there. But a potential conspiracy, and this has been talked about a lot, if they dropped Facecoin, so if they airdropped Facecoin to all their users, their 2 billion, is it 2 billion users now? So they airdropped mm -hmm. Facecoin to 2 billion users. So let's say they gave you the equivalent of 30 pounds as three spend. Mm -hmm. A, I'm like, oh, thanks for that Facebook. That's like a nice thing for you to do. Mm -hmm. B, they could cut out all Visa transactions. So I would spend, if I'm an advertiser, I would go through Facecoin because I wouldn't have to pay that 3% or whatever it is through yeah. Visa. Um, people could obviously use it for in-app purchases in games. Mm. They could use it to buy products. And all of a sudden you've got one of the biggest currencies in the world, which fits in with Peter Thiel's vision of creating a new global currency who's still on the board there. Mm. Mark Zuckerberg's sort of yearly goal to understand cryptography. And it's a good PR story. And all of a sudden Facebook's talk about connecting people. They've created mm. the biggest currency in the world. That everybody with, like, reviews, that's, with all that's the apps that you yeah. can log in with via Facebook, think of how many of those have like purchasing capabilities. Sense, if you yeah. could put like Facebook's coin onto all of those, especially with the social Gosh. commerce sort of world we're, we're, oh, yeah. we're moving to, I'd love to delve I'm deeper get, into this topic. I think we're gonna have to get you back onto the podcast. <laughs> I know, I'm gonna go away story, and Google exactly. like yeah. half the things we just yeah, talked definitely. about now and uh, learn about uh, it myself. If you haven't already, it's time to learn about blockchain, I think, because wait, we've all been holding I it would on. say, but I just want to <laughs> caveat that. Not yet. Of yes. someone who knows absolutely nothing about blockchain. And I put, I'd say I probably know 99% more than other people because I've read quite deep into it and I still know nothing. Like, <laughs> absolutely nothing. We're going to get a few yeah. comments now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. People telling us, That's people it, love yeah. to educate us on blockchain in the comments. Like, yeah. You can yeah. talk you can about speak this. Blockchain. Like, if you know <laughs> everything there is to know about blockchain know. and can yeah. cut it down into a 
half an hour bite-sized podcast yeah, come episode. Come and come and talk to us. Yeah, give us an email. <laughs> George, that was fantastic. Thank Thanks you so much, much for coming Thank on. So really, much. really interesting. Some awesome points there um, and loads of takeaways for marketers and all of our audience, really. So thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Anytime. Enjoyed this episode? A like, a share, or a quick review will enable us to bring you hard-hitting truths and outrageous social secrets every week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with Theo, Eve, and music by Pierre Flass.